All right, so again, um, we are in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And I want to start out by just saying a few things that are just quite obvious. Kings and kingdoms come and go. But the Lord remains and his will prevails. You can walk with him or against him. Either way, the Lord remains and his will prevails. We can agree or disagree. Stand united or we can be divided. But in the end, what matters and what we should consider is the fact that the Lord remains and his will prevails. Your trust and faith are either solely on him or not at all. So choose whom you will serve, either yourself or the Lord. Either way, the Lord remains and his will prevails. You see, I say that to begin and in going into this chapter because this is indeed a lesson that we ought to learn. As we consider the ups and downs of these kings that we're studying, we've studied quite a few kings uh, through the history of Israel and Judah. And this is for us, it should, like, their hindsight should be our foresight. We should have 2020 foresight, right? To know exactly what it is that they went through, what they experienced, where they failed, where they fell short, and how it is that we can avoid those downfalls. You know, through the whole of Scripture, we can see that. It's laid out for us. It's God's wisdom laid out for us to have an understanding of Scripture and to apply it. For us, it's a blessing to walk it out. We need to learn what made certain people successful in the eyes of the Lord. But we should also take note of what made some people failures in the eyes of the Lord. Because he does point that out. He does confront those who have fallen short. Such is the truth we ought to heed and allow to form who we are as the people of God. His very word. Our character should take shape. As we draw closer to the Lord, as we understand his word and apply it to our very own lives, we should reflect a godly character. We should have a perspective, a demeanor that reflects one in which the Lord has taught us and he lays out as we heed his word, his warnings, and receive his instruction according to the word of God. It should reflect in who we are. You see, our whole lives, our purpose in life, I know some people are still looking for the purpose of their lives. Here's the bottom line. As far as our lives are concerned, our purpose is to bring glory to our God. That's it. That's the bottom line. To bring glory to our King and our Savior, Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. Oh, Lord, that you would help us to focus 
on you and you alone. I pray, Lord, that as we study this chapter, Uzziah, and what we see in him, Lord, that we would draw closer to you and be more consistent in our in the service of our lives, in living as uh, sacrifices unto you, that we may bring you glory. And so, Father, thank you, Lord, for this moment. It's quite a privilege to sit at your feet and, Lord, to hear your word, to have fellowship with you, knowing that you are present. And so, Lord, again, help us to focus, help us to Lord, not be distracted by anything else. Help us to be mindful of what we have before us, your word. May you instruct us and grow us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we pray. Amen. So 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 1 says, And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So Uzziah is introduced as um, the king of Judah. He began to reign, as we read, um, at the age of 16 years. He was only 16 years old when he assumed the throne of his father, Amaziah. And he reigned for a long time. He reigned for 52 years. Uh, that, that is quite a long time. Now, I do want to make uh, a, a comment in regards to 52 years, because if you read any of you read commentaries? Does it in your time of study, like go through, whether it be Wearsby or J. Vernon McGee or uh, what is it, J. Mac? J. Mac, yeah. My, my brother, Jesus, he, he's got J. Mac down, right? What's his name? No, I'm just kidding, yeah. Um. But commentaries, remember that commentaries are written, are they scripture? No. It, it, it's, not, it's not God writing them, right? Because I know that commentators, they look at 52 years. I mean, in the world's eyes, would you say that 52 years is something good? If you were to just think, man, he, he reigned. He was, he was the leader of that nation for 52 years. Man, that was, that's amazing, right? Well, some commentators go to the extent of saying that this was a reward for his godliness. 52 years was a, it was a long time, and it was a reward for his godliness. But as we know, there are wicked kings who, who had long reigns. So how can we say that this was a reward for his faithfulness, for his godliness, when we have Wicked men that also reigned for quite a long time. And then we have other kings that were good that reigned for short periods of time. 
So this is where we need to, to think about what we're reading. And sometimes when we read those comments, we need to, to dismiss those things because they don't match up with Scripture, do they? Listen, I, I don't assume it's, re, it's a reward. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you, it's not insignificant, it's significant. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is so that we would understand that it's only God's will and it's by His grace that we get to serve whatever length and to the extent that we do in anything. Case in point, I'll list out a few people who serve God well. Oswald Chambers. He's only 43 years old when he died. Jim Elliott, who's even younger. He was 28 years old. Any of you know who Keith Green is? Died at the age of 28. David Brainerd, 29. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 39. Robert Murray McChain, 29. How old was Jesus when he was crucified? 33. Right? Our, our, our very Lord, our Savior, our God. He walked this earth and died at the age of 33. So that's why I tell you, think about these things. Because what we need to really understand is whatever your age, make the best use of it. Whatever amount of time you have on this earth, you don't know if you have tomorrow. As far as today is concerned, let us rejoice and be glad in it. For it is the, do- uh, the day that the Lord has made, right? And it's a day that he has ordained for us to walk in. You know, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So just pray that, that we would be faithful, right? To make the best use or redeem the time that the Lord has given us. And, and that's it. Now, let's move on from, from that. Uzziah assumed the throne... And I do want to point this out, immediately following the devastating events that led to his father's defeat. Just something to consider. Sometimes we move beyond what has just happened, and then we, we don't think about those things. But in, in this moment, as you think about Uzziah assuming the throne of Judah, um, let's also keep in the back of our minds how it is that he immediately, he, he assumed the throne immediately after these amazing Crazy, devastating events that led to his father's defeat and ultimately his death. Amaziah accumulated the gods of the Edomites. He did not listen to the counsel of God. God's judgment was to allow Amaziah to suffer defeat at the hands of Joash, the king of Israel. And God allowed him to be captured. This is what Uzziah's father had gone through. And even when Amaziah was released from captivity, he remembered that he fled to a city that was given to idolatry. He was put to death there in Lachish. Now, Uzziah assumes the throne. He did not follow in the footsteps of his father. In that moment, he completely changed in that sense, in that moment, to where he immediately begins to do things that strengthen the kingdom. He began to rebuild it. 
We see here stated that Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and we will see what is regarded by God as being right in his eyes. And that's really what matters, right? What is, what is it that God considers to be right, to be good? That's what's most important. With this, we also need to consider a couple other things. First, just because he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord doesn't mean that the entirety of his life was right in the eyes of the Lord. So we need to keep that in mind. So we'll learn a little bit more about Uzziah in the coming verses. Secondly, Uzziah prospered, again, while he sought the Lord, which if we pay attention to that, implies that if and when he doesn't, he will not pr prosper and he, and he doesn't. You know, Psalm chapter 37, verses 23 and 24 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And so we take all those things to heart. We consider the word of God, and we realize that while we seek the Lord, we will prosper in him. Whether it be what we have as we, as we seek the Lord, as we trust, as we rely on him, is that we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. We know that we stand right before him. And nothing can replace that. For Uzziah, we know that he did not fully commit to the Lord, as it, it notes in 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. In fact, verse 4 says, Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. And this was under the reign of Uzziah. You know, in um, considering that, perhaps you can consider your own life and the life of the church, too. What a battle it is to knock down all the high places that are little compromises. They end up disabling a complete consecration of oneself unto the Lord. You know, we can look at Uzziah and say, well, why didn't he, as the king of Judah, knock down all those high places? All those high places of compromise. But if you, again, regard your own life, how many high places have you left? Have you not torn down? I know that it's quite convicting. But this is what led to a heart that wasn't completely devoted to God. It allowed those, those places of allowing the people to go and worship, even other gods, to serve as an opportunity for the enemy to weaken the very souls of the people and therefore the nation. It says also here, as we read, that Uzziah sought God in the days of Zechariah. Uh, we see here also how it is that as he sought the Lord in the days of, the, of Zechariah, that he was instructed 
by Zechariah to fear God and to place his trust in him, to rely on him. Zechariah was teaching Uzziah how to serve God in the place that he was. He was the king of Judah, and Zechariah was a man of God who came alongside and was teaching him, this is how you fear God, this is how you serve God in the very place where you're at. We need people like that around us. No matter what your occupation is out in the world, we need people who are teaching us and encouraging us and counseling us to work in that place in a manner that glorifies the Lord. That's why it's critical. I don't care what you do. Whether you're a lawyer, doctor, nurse, or you work in any other field, we need the fellowship of the saints. We need to be encouraged. We need to be built up in the Lord. We need to submit ourselves to the authority of God's word and watch it work, encouraging each other. As we gather together, stirring each other up to love and good works. This, what, this is what Zechariah was doing for Uzziah. Teaching him how to serve God and fear him. You know, the test of genuine faith comes when our comfort zone is shattered. Have you experienced that? The test of our faith, whether it's genuine or it's lacking, will always come when our comfort zone is shattered and we're forced out of it. Like, oh, we like to be in our, in our little comfort zone, but when, when we're shaken up, when we're forced out of it, it, it doesn't feel so good, right? It, it doesn't feel good at all. But it's in that place, number one, that it is revealed to you where you really stand with the Lord, whether you will trust him or you will not. And if you fail in your trust of the Lord in that moment, then take heed, be aware. Repent and draw closer to him. Because remember, what's most important is our obedience. We either demonstrate our love for the Lord or we demonstrate our lack of love for him. Now always remember this. Trust now and always continue to trust in the Lord your God. And he will establish and uphold you with his righteous right hand in ways you never thought possible because he is faithful. Always has been, is, and always will be. Now here are the ways that Uzziah prospered in the Lord. And as we look at these verses, we see just a breakdown of how it is that the Lord blessed him and uh, was gracious toward him. Verse 6, as we continue, says, He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabneh and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gurbal, and against the Meunites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns for the 
For he had large herds, both in the Shephela and in the plain, and he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war, in divisions according to the numbers and the muster made by Jael, the secretary, and Messiah, the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who would make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields and spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. There was nothing that Uzziah needed that God did not give him. As long as he sought the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What this all means is as long as Uzziah trusted in, as long as Uzziah relied upon and looked to God for everything, the Lord's grace was poured out upon him and on all that he did. You see, God had called him to this place. It, it wasn't something that was done in the flesh. It was something that the Lord had promised David. And he was faithful. Uzziah was a man who was reigning, get this, over God's people. And so it was, it was critical for him to lean into, to trust in, to draw near to the Lord and seek him for everything. Let me ask you something, and, and this, this will affect how we go to the Lord. What does God not have? Can we all agree that everything belongs to him? Can we agree that he gives as he wills? We saw this as we read through those verses. It's quite evident that the Lord had provided all of this for Uzziah. We can list out, in fact, how Uzziah prospered while he sought the Lord. First of all, and we'll break it down like this, just kind of bullet points. Number one, he was victorious over the Philistines. Oh, just the, the enemies of, of the Lord, right? Of God's people. He was victorious over the Philistines. He built cities in the territory that they gained or they won. Thirdly, God not only helped Uzziah, no victory over the Philistines, but if you noted there, he also gained victory over the Arabians. Not just the Philistines, but also the Arabians. Not only that, but we have the Ammonites paying tribute to Uzziah. That is, that they were paying taxes they were a subordinate nation paying taxes to a superior nation. This, of course, increased the revenue. 
of Judah and benefited them. His fame also spread throughout, spread far and wide that he was strong in the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. Judah was strong. And this was, he, he was known for this throughout the land. This would strike fear in the surrounding nations, which, by the way, prevents them from attacking. He rebuilt and fortified Jerusalem and reinforced the entire Judean countryside. The army that he had was great in number, great in skill, and great in leadership. Having enough leaders to cover 120 warriors per commander. That's pretty awesome. One commander, you had 120 that you were leading. They were able to go up against any enemy that stood against them. The army had all the necessary weaponry and protective equipment necessary. And God also gifted the men Uzziah had in the army with the skill to invent state-of-the-art machines to give them a significant advantage over any and all armies of the enemies. Shields, screens, instruments that would enable the shooting of arrows and great stones. What do we call those that uh, are the great stones? Catapults. You know, if this is true, and it is, why is that? Because it's the word of God. And so that's what it is. It's a catapult, right? This, by the way, is 200 years before archaeological evidence suggests that catapults were around. They were invented. It's during the time of Uzziah that we have the Lord give him wisdom and the ability to make these weapons of war to the point to where he was far ahead of his time, so they say, right? catapults. I wonder what it was that he made in order to also be able to send out, uh, you know, shoot these arrows, you know, like uh, maybe put in a magazine into the, the bow and no. Just incredible. I, I, you know, I think about this and I think, wow, the Lord, what can the Lord not do. What is he not able to do? What is he not able to provide? He strengthens. Yeah, might belongs to him. Think about this as, as you're praying next time, as you're seeking him. Seek to, um, to come alongside and align yourself with his will. What, what is it that he desires to do? Because it's no wonder that Uzziah's fame spread far and wide. God helped Uzziah until he was regarded as strong by the nations around him. That's what he did. But the thing is, is that Uzziah should have acknowledged this before God and used it to continue to build the kingdom to the glory of God. It was only a perceived strength that the nations attributed to Uzziah. When in reality, it wasn't Uzziah's strength, it wasn't his might, it wasn't his intelligence. It wasn't how great he was, but it was how great his God was. God's power, God's strength. It was all that that brought 
this about, not Uzziah's. You know, Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Remember in verse 5 that we read, God made him prosper. And in verse 7, it says that God helped him. That, that word helped, another word that we can use and is even more accurate, is enabled him. In other words, God enabled Uzziah, and it is God who enables us today. As you act, you do so in complete reliance on God, and then we, it is necessary, we are compelled to give him glory where it belongs. Because verse 16 comes. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. After all of that, you see, as we consider what we just read previous to this verse, we may come to the conclusion that perhaps Uzziah was better off living with constant adversity than with great success. You see, the danger with success is the person can believe he did it all. Oh, I, I've seen that. This is what happened with Uzziah. This is the danger with success. That person can believe he did it all and God had nothing to do with it. When all along God was working to gift, enable, and favor that person. Even giving him the strength and perseverance necessary in key moments. You know, I've heard many people say, I'll work and do this and do that in my strength. And then God can do the rest. It's as if God hadn't been the one working from the very beginning. Have you ever heard that? You know, we can do this, we can do that, you know. And, you know, I, 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 I put in everything I, I, until I can't do anymore. And at that point, God can do the rest. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> are, are you really taking credit for it? Like what, what, what happened up to that point? As if we're anything. Listen, we don't deserve even an attaboy. Not even an attaboy. Why? Because as we serve the Lord, we're simply doing what we should be doing. Serving him. That's it. No, we need to acknowledge God from the very beginning, giving him full credit from the very start for anything that is worth taking credit for, all of it. Please, brothers and sisters, don't touch his glory. Don't touch it. One of the things that I heard a long time ago in ministry is one thing, don't touch his glory. All glory belongs to God. You know, Philippians 1.6 says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So that lets us know and understand 
that God has been working in us from the very beginning, so we can't take the credit for anything. That's a good thing to keep in mind. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You see, sometimes we treat God as if we provide most of the important work. And then we hand it off to him as if he were our worker. When in actuality, we're the ones that belong to him. We've been purchased with the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. We are his We are his doulos. We are his bond slaves, bond servants given to him. I will gladly serve my God until the day I go home to be with him. He has been gracious enough by forgiving me of my sins and imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ to me. That's enough. What happens to me and how he uses me from from that point on as I acknowledge him, that's up to him. In sickness and in health, in trials and in ease, whatever it is, may the Lord use me to the fullest to bring him glory, whatever that may be. He gets all the glory, we get none. One day we will be in all glory. And that's okay because the fact that we, we get none because he is either our all in all or nothing at all. He is God and we are not. He deserves all the glory and we deserve judgment. And yet he is gracious through Christ Jesus our Lord toward each and every one of us. Well, that puts things in different perspective. You know, I mentioned a few people, one of whom was Jim Elliott in that list. He died at an early age, but you know, he was one that was willing to give his life to spreading the gospel, even if it cost him his life. And even in that, the Lord has used his life to encourage and bless so many others. No, God has been gracious enough by forgiving us and giving us a place at his table. And one day, we will see, it, see him in his fullness. You know, as we consider what we have in this verse, verse 16, I'm convinced that some people cannot handle success and prosperity. Cannot handle power. Cannot handle position. Cannot handle influence and authority as is illustrated throughout the pages of the Bible and demonstrated quite frequently in our world today. You see, Uzziah was a man who had it all. You know, in this time of the year, um, there's a popular movie that comes out. It's a wonderful life. Perhaps some of you have, have watched it. And uh, George... What was it? Bailey. That's right, George Bailey. George Bailey was, um, was down on himself, right? He, he wasn't content. He thought his life was insignificant. And yet he was shown that his life was indeed significant. It was used for so many things. You know, we, being Christians, knowing our purpose in life, we cannot disregard what we have been given. It, it is a gift of God. 
Life is a gift. And what we do with it matters today. We have it all today. If we have Christ, we have everything. Do we not? We say it, but do we reflect that in the way we live? Right? That's, that's the test right there, whether we mean it or not. Because Uzziah was a man who had it all and then claimed that he is the one who had all the strength and was unfaithful to the Lord his God, doing what he was not authorized by God Almighty to do. You see, he may have thought of himself as being the man. And in that moment, he chose, I, I'm going to do this. This is my right. No, there's a higher authority. There's God. And he said, no, this is not the way. You see, it was just the sons of Aaron who were authorized to do the very thing that he took upon himself to do. He was king, but he wasn't God. Uzziah did what God had entrusted for someone else to do because God had the authority to assign someone else for this task. How much power did Uzziah want? Just a little more. And that's our downfall. How much of whatever it is, whether it be power, authority, money, toys, comfort, whatever it is. How much do we want just a little more, right? Listen, there's only one with absolute power, and it isn't you. Seek the Lord and keep seeking the Lord and attribute to him all that is good and worth praising, period. Cling to the one who does have everything that you need, that he may provide that for you, that you may honor and glorify him. So as much as you can, live in obscurity and always deflect glory to God. Let's continue verse 17. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, for, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord, God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was king over the king's household, governing the people of the land. You know, this, uh, this priest, Azariah, um, what a courageous man. He, along with 80 priests came and confronted Uzziah. These men, as we read here, were considered men of valor. These were priests. They came and they confronted Uzziah, knowing he was doing something that he was not authorized to do. And one of their responsibilities, in fact, their, 
Their chief responsibility was to serve the God, serve God, right? To minister to him. And they saw that someone had perverted the ministry of God, no matter if it was the king or not, they were willing to go and confront him. There are too many people that aren't willing to do that today. Too many people who don't hold others accountable, that are in places of authority, who are leaders. And some of the problem is, is that they don't allow themselves to be held accountable. They aren't transparent with certain men or women um, that will be, would be willing to hold them accountable. Instead, too often, people surround themselves with what we would consider to be yes men. Just agree with me. Just go along with it. Everything's good. That's not Azariah. That was not these 80 men that went in there. These were were men who were willing to stand up for what was right. I I love this. Because it could have cost Azariah his life and that of the 80 other men as well. But what he considered more important was the integrity of God's sanctuary and his glory. That's what was most important to him and to all of them. This sanctuary, this place of worship, it didn't belong to Azariah, and it certainly did not belong to Uzziah. This place, this sanctuary, a place of serving, ministering to the Lord, was there for the purpose of worshiping and serving the Lord. That's it, period. It's not whatever it is that we want it to be. Our interpretation of worshiping God does not matter whatsoever. It belonged to God and not Uzziah or any other person. Opinions and feelings didn't matter. Only what was right. You know, it's, um, <clears throat> it's one thing to read it and understand what Uzziah did wrong and how he was confronted by Azariah and the other priests. But you know, it's the very same thing today. Um, The fellowship of the saints, the places of worship that have been set aside for ministering to the Lord should be places that are honored um, the worship of God is, is laid out for us in Scripture, in the very Word of God. We ought to heed those instructions and then follow them out. Serving God, well, we prove our love for Him by the love that we have one for another. We should follow Ephesians four eleven through 16, which the Lord gifted the church for the building up of the body of Christ for the discipleship, so that as we are instructed in sound doctrine, we would not be easily tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. This is not a a place of entertainment. This is a place to where we come and we serve the Lord. You know, this time that the Lord 
brought forth judgment, he did so immediately, as we saw with Uzziah. He was made leprous by the Lord. God struck him in this moment, just on the spot. You know, at the time, the priests all saw the leprosy. Um, Uzziah did not know. But, oh, the looks on Azariah and the rest of the, the 80 priests, you can imagine, they, in the sanctuary, they, they look at Uzziah. He began to be leprous on his forehead. It must have been just horror that, that Uzziah saw on the faces of Azariah and the rest of the priests. But we need to note that God did not prevent Uzziah from doing what he did. He struck him only when his pride led him to follow through with anger. And then God struck him. You see, God was being patient with Uzziah. He could have been struck dead instead of just simply getting leprosy. The only way Uzziah responded was when God's judgment was obvious. He didn't listen to Azariah's rebuke in the presence of all the priests, and he wasn't about to leave the sanctuary until God made him. Remember, as we read that, he says, Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And so in that moment, it was when God struck him. But he didn't listen to the rebuke. In fact, he was filled with anger. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word... And not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, be no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We need to heed God's word and we need to be quick to obey it. We need to not just be hearers, but doers of the word as well. I've heard it said often, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? We can, if you have kids, you can test that out. I'm not being disobedient. I'm just delaying my obedience. Oh, <laughs> didn't know that. My bad, right? Go ahead, carry on, right? No, that's not the way it works. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Verse 22, now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote. And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings, for they said, he is a leper, and Jotham his son reigned in his place. This is indeed, as we read through this, uh, indeed a tragic end to an otherwise good reign. What, how, how beautiful it was 
as we read and we, we learned how it was that, that the Lord had provided, and he strengthened Uzziah. We showed him favor. Um, he provided the know-how on how to build these, these weapons for battle that totally made them superior to those who they were up against. It provided everything for them. And so, I'll leave you with this. As I, as we began, so we will conclude. Kings come and kings go, but the Lord remains, and his will prevails. You can walk with him or against him. Either way, the Lord remains, and his will prevails. We can agree or disagree, stand united or divided, but in the end, what matters is that the Lord remains and his will prevails. Your trust and faith are either solely on him or not at all. So choose whom you will serve, yourself or the Lord. Either way, the Lord remains and his will prevails. Be content in the Lord, brothers and sisters. Always trust in the Lord and don't touch his glory. Amen. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, you are so faithful. And I ask, Lord, that this would, for us, Lord, um, be another moment to where you help us uh, to heed the warnings of being prideful, of, of touching your glory, of, of uh, really... Um, accepting, Lord, something that doesn't belong to us. Lord, I pray that we would realize that you are indeed our all in all. You are the one that provides everything. You give us favor. Your grace is, is absolutely amazing. You give, give us the ability to do anything that's of any value whatsoever. So, Father, I do ask that as we realize these things, that as we serve you and bless you, and we stand for righteousness, that, Lord, perhaps you would give us favor here at Refuge. Lord, that you would give us the opportunity to disciple even more people, to lead more people to Christ, and to see them also Enjoy that peace that surpasses all understanding. And also have the hope of being in your glory as they place their trust in you. Knowing salvation through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, be with us, your people. Help us to be mindful of your word. Remind us. And may you fill us with your spirit, giving us understanding of what we just read and what we study day in and day out, as far as your word is concerned. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace and for your love, for your mercy and your patience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.